the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab episode 577 for Sunday, November 1st, 2015. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, the Dia de Muertos edition. The goal is you send in your questions. We answer your questions. The goal is you send in cool stuff found. We share your cool stuff found. The goal is you send in tips. We share your tips. The goal is we all learn something new each and every time we get together. It's a beautiful thing. This episode is sponsored in part by Harry's. November is Movember. Shave five off. Saves you five bucks at Harry's store. We'll talk about that shortly at harrys.com. Linda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash M-G-G. That is where you get 10 days free of their fantastic education videos and courses. Smile at smilesoftware.com slash geek shows you all about text expander, which we'll show you all about in a minute here, here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here, uh, an hour out of phase with everybody else. Well, not anymore. <laughs> in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. How you doing, John F. Braun? So it's 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 interesting because we are well. We, when I say we, um, it, it's we are in the middle of the three day celebration of Dia de los Muertos, right? But um, I've always thought that was weird because it's Day of the Dead, and yet it lasts three days, right? It starts on the on Halloween, the thirty first of October, and it runs through uh, really tomorrow. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't really. I don't know a whole lot that. about it. I just know that that's where we are. Yeah, I I Halloween, um, my house didn't get egged, um, though I had to, you know, uh, nobody was on my lawn, thank goodness. Okay. Did, do, you, <laughs> do you turn on your light and give out candy to the, uh, the neighborhood no. kids that come by? No, I'm, I'm, I'm antisocial. Okay. No. All right. Could be hey, fun. I, I give back to the kids in the neighborhood what they give to me, which is nothing. Wow. <laughs> wow. See... I recommend what 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 would be good is if you became known as the guy that gave out full size candy bars because then everybody would love you all year long. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm just saying. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll consider it. All right. Though I'm on great terms with with my neighbors that have five kids, and and I think they're going to stop at that. But uh, no, we're on great terms here, and. Uh, and they had local celebrations, you know, the, uh, they had the, uh, you know, safety street, I think they called it the night before where the local businesses and Fairfield center sponsor, uh, you know, and they do nice things for the kids, but, um, yeah, it's just not me, but no, I'll, I'll take your, maybe I'll do that. You're right. The, the, you know, it's funny because I did see a video and it was terrible. I'll have to post it, but it was a video of the wrong thing to do. It was somebody that left out candy and put a note by it saying, you know, be considerate of others and, and take as much as you think is necessary. And, and almost every kid that came along did that except one, which really disappointed me, an adult who basically scarfed up like all the candy. And I was like, are you kidding me? Well, that's what, oh, that's I, I what uh, drop it. cams are good for, right? You get one of those. And you well, that's exactly right what the candy. person did. They, yeah. they put a, a, a cam, which uh, I guess was not obvious. And, uh, and he nailed this one neighborhood lady who basically she took all the candy and it wasn't even a kid. It was a, it was an adult that took all the candy for herself. It's like, are you kidding me? Put your geek charms Terrible. to work. Yeah. 
All right. But where are we? So what, what else is happening? I mean, okay, so, so I'm going have... gonna, gonna, gonna to get geeky on us here. So you have a drop cam. Go. Right? Um, I do. And I, I have set it up for, um, and fortunately I haven't had to, but I, I uh, last season I did set it up. Uh, I, I set up the uh, John F. Braun blizzard cam. So okay. When we had blizzards coming. Yeah. I, I would say normally I, I normally don't leave it plugged in, but yeah, the drop cam, which is now of course nest. Yeah. And, and part of their ecosystem. But yeah, it's a, it's a great little camera. And, um, but again, yeah, I usually do, don't have it running. Okay. Okay. See, Maybe I have, though? um, I have a, yeah. I have a drop cam, well, not a drop cam, but I have a, a D link camera. In fact, it's the uh, D link DCS 935 L, which uh, D link has their own software for it. And it has a, you know, the camera has its own mm-hmm. web interface that you can log into and all of that stuff. And it does motion sensing and it does, uh, sound sensing and all of this great stuff. But I have mine linked to uh surveillance station, which runs on my Synology. So uh-huh. yeah. And, and it, it supports all the same stuff, the motion sensing in this, that, and the other. And I actually have it named it Hector D bird. Right. And so you can follow Hector <laughs> on Twitter. Now you can't see the cam on Twitter because it's, it's, you know, a portal into my home. So I don't make the, uh, I don't make access to it public. So- are you considering a Hector cam as, as oh, I a have prior... a Hector cam? I mean, it, but, it, but for it public exists. consumption, no, no. Cause Hector okay. lives in our kitchen and that just wouldn't, it wouldn't be okay. appropriate. No, I get it. Yeah. The, the prior, the prior, uh, owner, uh, if, if there is such a thing as an owner of Hector, right. um, I, I believe did have that. So um, in, in the office, when, when Hector was with Ambrosia, that's right. Um, they, Hector lived in the office and they had a cam on her, uh, the whole time. That's right. Yeah. 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 But, um, I like the, uh, I like this camera and I like the, the surveillance station, which is a package uh, that's kind of, it's not, it's, it's, it's from Synology and you can install it for free on your disk station and connect it. I believe the, um, the, the limitation on the free version is two cameras connected, but you can buy a subscription or something and connect more. But what's really good is it'll save locally on your disk station all of the videos that you tell it to save. And of course you can tell it only record when it's, um, you know, when it's uh, in, uh, when there's motion or at this time of day or, you know, whatever you can go through all this stuff. And then there's an app called, uh, Oh, DS cam. I think it's gotta be, uh, I never remember the, what these things are called. Cause I just launch them, you know, but, uh, yeah. And then you, yeah, it's DS cam that you can launch on iOS and, tunnel right in and see your camera and all this great stuff. I love it. It's a, okay. it's a fantastic So you thing. can save, okay. So you can save the video then. Okay. It, Cause it drop saves cam it automatically. I, yeah. Okay. Cause drop cam last I checked, not that I blame them. I mean, you know, that's their decision, but, but sure. that, that was an optional feature of their offering. Well, last but I checked, they, you're saving you to their server. It. See, cause this Correct. is your save and see, I don't know. The drop cam might well be addressable by, your Synology. And if so, then you just save it locally. I don't know. I haven't messed with the drop cam. I don't believe it is. I think because from what you're telling me, um, Synology and their package works with what I'll call a standard IP webcam. And I believe that nest and drop cam are not quite standard that they offer as part of their offering. So if I wanted to, I could pay them and, and save the streaming and stuff. So, okay. For live for live uh, viewing, it's it's great. Um, if I wanted to archive stuff, then then I think I'd have to throw them a few bucks. Um, but you know, that's that's their model. That's cool. That's fine. Yeah, I'm looking to hear, and uh, 
Yeah. And I, I believe it does work with Synology. I'll, I'll put up, I, I'm not going to bother to read the forum thread while we're, uh, you know, while we're trying to do the show here, but uh, I will, I will link to that in the show notes and we can, uh, we can. Okay. You know. I have an older one, so it may be not possible with the, because I have one of the original drop. Well, then you, so you might they, actually they, be more flexible, right? Well, again, they since have upgraded it to the Nest right. cam. Right. So, uh, so mine may just be too old to. I got gotcha. you. That sort of thing. I got gotcha. you. But um, hey, remote cameras and and spying on people and making sure they behave is a, is a good thing. I think. I think it's a yeah, man. It's <laughs> and I, to make hilarious videos like adults stealing all the candy. I mean, exactly. See, that's where we go with it. Or I think it's great. <laughs> All right. Uh, with that in mind, let's jump uh, and and talk to Eric because Eric has a great question to kick us off, at least with that portion of the show. He says, uh, "Was listening to episode five seventy six and I have a question that came up after checking out Homebrew. You guys are right; it's pretty cool now that I played around with it a bit. I was checking out my library slash my slash library slash system migration folder and saw a few things that I don't think I need." And I'm curious if it's okay to delete that folder and its contents. I have multiple backups already, so that's not a problem. And I'm probably going to do it after I send this email anyway. <laughs> but I just wanted to get that thought out there. Uh, my understanding is that if I just it, that it just throws items in there that were in places that are now under the protection of system integrity protection. That's true, uh, and are no longer being actively used by the system anyway. Is that correct? That is correct, Eric. Yeah, it it moves these things during the upgrade process and puts them in there, but relegates them to being unusable. John mentioned it last week. He had a uh, his thing for handbrake and he popped that back out of there into a more accessible location and then was able to use those libraries. But yeah, if something's in there, you are not using it. It's something that was moved um, with that. I you know, there's no crystal balls. We can't give. Uh, generic advice by saying, sure, everything in there is deletable. You don't need it. I can't guarantee that. But what I can say is I just went in and looked in mine and I looked in every uh, subfolder that was in there. And it took me all of about 30 seconds to kind of twist them all open. And there were a few things in there. None of them were things that were necessary to me. Uh, this is one of those scenarios where I would say, if you don't recognize it, it's okay to throw away. Because if you don't recognize it, you don't, you probably don't need it. You know, it, only if it's something there and you're like, Ooh, yeah, that's something I, you know, I went out of my way to install that. Then maybe you want to keep it around, but otherwise, yeah, I think you're okay to clean out that folder. What do yeah, you think, John? Did you clean um, yours out? Uh, no, because I mean, I, I don't think it takes up a lot of space, but number two, there may be something you know, kind of like the boxes that I have in, in, in my attic. Sure. Or spread around the house here. It's something that, you know, I probably may need someday. Oh. So I'm going to keep it. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, like I said, it doesn't yeah, take I up know. a lot of space. Um, and at some point I may go through that directory. I mean, you know, kudos to Apple because when, when we did first talk about this, some people were like, oh my gosh, Apple just deleted all this stuff on me and how awful of them. And it's like, well, no, they didn't. They, they, it's they still did. there. Yeah. In this case, the right thing, they just moved it to the side somewhere. Uh, nobody links to it. And actually, this may be an interesting uh, uh, kind of side path here, Dave. But I was like, you know what? Are they linking to this stuff at all? And the answer is no. But the thing is, how do you know if 
that stuff is even accessible. So, so I went on a, a learning journey here. And, and if you pardon my, you know, taking a little tangent here, but I thought it was useful is that how do you know the directories um, that your system is going to execute things from? From the, when you're talking about right, running things when, from when the command ta- line. You, yeah. When, you, when you're in the terminal and yes. you type in a command here, how do you know what directory or directories the system is going to look into to try to run that? Because the thing is that there are tons of commands spread throughout your system and not all of them are, are things that you can necessarily execute no matter where you are. So, so again, I'm, I'm just going to share this with you and maybe we'll have a discussion here. I hope it's useful, but how do you know where your system is looking um, when you type in a command on the command line and it executes things? And I think, uh, I think I know the answer, Dave, and I'm going to tell you what I think the answer is. And that is if you type in the terminal, if you type the words or, or the letters ENV, what is that? Those are your environment variables. And, and this is something that is common throughout Various operating systems, not just uh, Mac and Unix, but uh, Windows and DOS and uh, CPM and, uh, you know, I, I won't go too much farther back. <laughs> but if you look here, um, as far as I know, Dave, the variable that you see when you type ENV, which is the variable that um, OS X and, and some other flavors of Unix use to determine where to look to run things when you type it in is path. Right. That's correct. Yeah, no, you're right. It, it, I would have done the same thing. Actually, I would have done. Uh, uh, I would have typed set and and hit enter and gotten a far longer list than env will give you. But path is oh. in path is in either one. But but yours is probably well. I don't know that either one is wrong. But I would say yours is certainly more targeted, if not more correct. Right, and and this brings up another thing that that kind of surprised me, Dave, and and uh, is. A place where I'm going to say I saw some cruft. And we talk about cruft, and cruft is stuff that you is old stuff that you don't need. Okay. Now the thing is, when I looked at my path variable, Dave, at least on one of my machines, I saw something. I saw a few things there that were not things that I needed. Now and this is something. Programs, this is something where you it it it's normally our default. I know for Eric, I gave and and specifically the system and uh, uh oh crap, what's the name of the folder? The uh, the migration folder. If stuff's not in there, or if stuff's in there and you don't recognize it, throw it away. However, everything everywhere else, sort of the default advice is the opposite. Only throw away stuff you recognize. And I would say that's true for where you're heading down with the path here as well. It, you know, don't change it unless you know for certain that there is cruft there that you want to change. Yes. And at least on my MacBook Pro, Dave, I did see something that in fact is something I know that I'm not using anymore. So I, uh, on my MacBook Pro, but not on my mini, because I, I, I fiddle more with my MacBook Pro. Sure. I saw path equals slash users, slash John F. Braun, slash library, slash application support, slash good sync. And I'm like, oh, huh? Like, when did I install that? I must have at some point. Sure. Um, because apparently the good sync program, which uh, as far as I know, I'm not using, right. decided to modify my path. And so how did you edit that? And, and I'm and glad be, you asked that question. Be, be succinct about this. Be pithy. Be concise. Well, I will be because then, as you, Dave, I was wondering, how is 
who put that there? Why is that there? And how can I change that? And I'll tell you at least on my system, how I believe you can change that. So if you go, um, if you start off in your home directory, uh, in the terminal, and that's normally where you're going to be, um, well, you could do an LS, which LS uh, lists all the files, um, but it's not going to list uh, what, what are known as invisible files. Um, why are files invisible? Because they have a period before them. And one of these mysterious period files um, is dot. Oh, gosh, let me find it here. Are you, are you, if you're talking about bash, it's dot bash underscore profile. That's what yes. you're looking for. You're right. And so I saw that. So the thing is you can, and actually oddly enough, Dave, we, we were talking about um, <laughs> uh, package managers the other day. Not only do I see a dot bash underscore profile file in my home directory, but I also see a dot bash underscore profile dot Mac ports dash blah, blah, blah. Because Mac ports, uh, one of the package managers we talked about, um, is very polite in that before it modifies your bash profile file, it saves the older version in case it screws something up. So the answer to your question, Dave, is where, what is one of the files that is used to modify the path that is used when you go into the terminal? And as you correctly pointed out, one of them is dot bash underscore profile, which you can edit with well, you edit whatever it with text editor. I would say like. edit, I, edit it with text edit. That the, the, the simplest <laughs> thing. No, and I'll put a, Dude. I'll put a link in the show notes. Oh, I don't edit it with text edit, but I'm going to explain to people how to do it that way. Because um, I was going to say I I would use Emacs. Yeah, and if someone doesn't understand <laughs> Emacs, you just sent them down a world of hurt. The same <laughs> as if I had sent them to e, to VI. You know, Nano is a, a much simpler thing. We're, what we're talking about with with VI and Nano and Emacs are terminal based editors, but it's insane that we even still use these um, because there's no reason to, when we're on a Mac that has a, gra- a beautiful graphic interface and is fully capable of editing text files um, in that graphic interface. So uh, I'll send you, I'll put a link in the show notes to uh, an article that explains how to do this. But if you simply type open and then dot bash profile, dot bash underscore profile from that directory, it will open it in text edit and, and you can just edit right mm-hmm. there. If you have BB edit and you've installed their command line tools, you can, instead of typing open, you type BB edit space dot bash underscore profile. And from that directory and boom, it opens it up in BB edit. So these are the right ways to do it. And I'm actually trying mm-hmm. to get better about this. I'm a total Unix geek. I use nano and VI constantly. I can use Emacs, but I hate it. It's, it, <laughs> I, I started learning this stuff before um, computers had lots of Ram and Emacs was always like a huge Ram hog. So you couldn't, reliably run it on every system uh, emacs emacs i learned when i was working on a prime which is no longer a business mini computer uh, at one of my first uh internships dave and the thing is emacs is the kitchen sink of editors yeah in that it it, it does everything but no it, it is overwhelming I, I i my only argument against vi is vi tends to be very minimal it's well, important the there point. are other editors that are kind of Middle of the road, like, you know, Pico and Nano and, and, and things like that. I think those are probably better choices. Ed, probably not. That That's a bit too minimal for, for my, my taste. Yeah, but really, you don't want to use any of those. Just type the word open and then and then your bash profile and you can edit it. And then once you save it, you either have to log out of that terminal session 
um, or you can force it to become part of that session uh, by, by using the word export and then source and all of this crazy stuff. But um, it, it, follow the article. It's much simpler. You're not going to follow us in a, in a verbal way anyway, because that's, in, that's insanity. But uh, you, uh, somebody in the chat room, in fact, Alex in the chat room is mentioning at MacGeekGab.com slash stream. Thanks for joining us, folks. Mm-hmm is mentioning that uh, the text wrangler text wrangler, which is the essentially the free it's BB edit light, if you will, but it's not that light. It's pretty good. Um, and you can go download it from barebones.com. Uh, that also comes with its own uh, command line utility. So you can type text wrangler space, you know, uh, dot bash underscore profile and edit these files or any other files that way. It's just a really handy way to, you know, be in the terminal navigating around and say, open this in a graphical editor so that I don't have to act like uh, it's 30 years ago. And it's a beautiful thing. So fun it's stuff. 30 years ago. What's well, because you want to live in the past. We want to live in the present. We're in or, the future. <laughs> no, we're not. Well, Ron, we just were, but now Ron writes, uh, I thought I would pass this along. After the latest OS 10 upgrade, my uh, Mac OS 10. Uh, uh, wow, I'm, I'm not reading well at all. After the latest OS 10 upgrade, my Wi-Fi on my MacBook Pro had trouble connecting to the Internet. I was on the Wi-Fi, but I could only get to some websites. I followed the instructions from OS 10 daily and he sent us a link, which corrected the issue with the addition of turning the modem on and off and rebooting in safe mode once perhaps this will help. And, and he does, he goes through a, uh, he shares a link with some, some interesting stuff in it that basically walks you through in the terminal or the finder, uh, whichever way you like deleting the airport preferences and the network interfaces. And, and that, uh, has helped more than just Ron helped quite a few users. So it's, um, it's good stuff. So thanks for sharing that Ron fun, right, John? Um, you know, all I'll say is I recall uh, seeing what I think was a very similar article, Dave. So when I was having my Wi-Fi woes, um, under the prior operating system, right. Under Yosemite. Yep. I tried all of the things that this article suggested and none of them worked because at least in, in my case, Dave, it was a flawed implementation on Apple's part. Otherwise, all the things they suggest are awesome. <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. i yeah. tried them all and they, and they still didn't fix the problem but um but but there's certainly a good good steps to take to I, uh try to fix your wi-fi woes. yeah i think i think el capitan frankly is different than yosemite was in this way um uh but but you're but you're right i mean it's nothing is a a cure-all for everyone's uh, problems especially when it comes to these wi-fi and crazy things <laughs> Yeah, and that I've had no problems with my Wi-Fi, especially now with my shiny new, uh, which I just, uh, under great risk, upgraded the firmware and it worked. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm so happy with this TP-Link. It's really a pretty I'm glad, awesome. Uh, I'm glad you have a, a, a router that you can be a little geeky, or not just a little, you can be a lot geeky with. And that's a good thing. That's, I think it's a really good thing. So. Well, you know, we may touch upon Dave because we we did, um, I believe in, in our Facebook group had somebody that actually pointed out a way to get really geeky with the airport. But I think maybe we should post a link to that discussion thread because I, I thought it was fascinating. Yeah. I think we mentioned it last week, right? I think I, I think I put it in the show notes last week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But if not, we will, we'll, we'll surface it at at some point if we haven't, 
because uh, it's good stuff. Or you can just check out our Mac Geek Gab Facebook group. The easiest place to the easiest way to get there is think of it Mac Geek Gab Facebook group. So macgeekgab.com slash Facebook gets you there. You can also get there by by searching on Facebook and, and going to like Facebook slash group slash Mac Geek Gab or whatever. I guess that's not that hard. But uh, we've always got a link to it. MacGeekab.com slash Facebook. Awesome community. Everybody's participating there. It's some really, really killer stuff. So uh, I encourage you all to join. John, you want to take us to Wesson, my friend? <sighs> Do I? Do I think I so. Really? Yeah, I want you to. I would love to. <laughs> I think I do because I, I think it, Dave, it took a, a interesting detour. Um. Okay. Now, no. I am what I am. Well, unfortunately, what I am seeing in my inbox here is just the PDF and not. Uh, this is not good. All right. This well, is live, folks. No, I, I, all I'm seeing is a, a, well, a single PDF I'll, with a screenshot here. All right. So you, that, that, we'll call that an error between the chair and the keyboard. Uh, whenever you put this in, you must have had it highlighted and, and put the wrong thing in. There were a couple actually in the in, that you saved to Evernote. Are you using my automator workflow to yes. save these things? Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. Your little PDF. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, let me. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to do. I'm going right, to do Don. Well, no, we, I, I can talk through it. So let me um, on this machine. I will I will start up the email and I will find. OK, this I'm, we're going to do Don um, and then we'll come back to Wesson later. Oh, Don writes. I've noticed in both. Yosemite and El Capitan that I get duplicate application listings in the preference pane for notifications. For example, uh, IFF MPEG and motion are both listed twice, but the notification settings for the duplicates can be configured differently. I only keep my applications in my main slash applications folder, and I do not have a time machine or other always on backup. So I'm not sure why only certain applications are listed twice. Is there an easy way to get rid of the duplicates? Yeah, um, it, this is one of those things that comes back to launch services. Usually in that the launch services database on OS 10 uh, stores a lot of stuff about your system, including the list of all your applications, where they live and what files they can open. So if you right click on, say, a PDF, and go to the open with menu or control click on a PDF, uh, you'll see a list of all the applications that your system knows about that have registered and said, Hey, I can open up PDFs. Uh, sometimes you'll see duplicates here. Now, sometimes those duplicates will be correct because you might have two copies of the same app there. Like you might have, you know, pages or, you know, I mean, I, I saw the other day I was messing with a, a presentation and I have keynote version six dot something and keynote version five dot something. And it exposes the version mm -hmm. numbers when there's multiples and, and it shows me that and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. I got, I got the old copy out there, whatever. Um, but sometimes you'll see the same version, you know, exactly the same, truly duplicates. And I realize we're talking about notifications here, but it's sort of, it's the same thing. They all stem from this launch services database. That database can get corrupt. And it is worth rebuilding it. And there's a, uh, a stack exchange posting that, again, we'll put uh, in the show notes that talks about this. But uh, the easiest way that I've found to, um, to, re to rebuild launch services is to use the great piece of software. It's free called Onyx. Uh, 
it, there's a there's an option in there that lets you rebuild launch services. It takes a little while because it scours your drive or your drives if there are multiples and takes care of that. Um, if you're still if after you rebuild launch services, you're still having trouble. What I recommend you do is search for the, the whatever application you're seeing as a duplicate search for it with spotlight. So do command spacebar and search for the application and then see, you know, wait till the big menu comes up with all of them. See if there are duplicates and float over them and see where they're located. Because my guess is you do have a second copy somewhere. I realize you don't have a clone mounted. I realize that you intentionally put all of your apps in the slash applications folder, which is smart, but things happen, right? It's possible that stuff lives elsewhere. So that's the, uh, that's my thoughts on that. John, you have any thoughts on that one? Nope. No. Huh? All right. Well, no, my thought is, is that anytime I've seen these multiple app things, it's always been the launch services database. Yeah. And, and as you pointed out, and, uh, uh, I don't think this is too recent, but, um, yeah, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, several weeks ago that Onyx came out for uh, El Capitan. Right. They have to lovingly handcraft Onyx for each version, <clears throat> which is really weird because Dave, actually, when I did try to run it on a machine that I upgraded to El Capitan, it didn't complain that, um, and I kind of expected it to, but it didn't complain that the version I was trying to run was on an OS that it didn't really know about. Huh. I kind of expected it to. So one caution to people, if you do run Onyx, and one thing they warn you about this, when you run Onyx, which uh, I think, Dave, both you and I love Onyx to death because it, it lets you get into the guts of OS X, uh, but, but they even warn you, you know, be careful, you know, always make a backup before you do anything with Onyx because yeah. it could make matters worse. Sometimes it makes them better. Often it does, but sometimes it can ruin everything. But um, I was kind of surprised that it didn't come up and say, hey, you're, you're running a version of Onyx that is not appropriate for this version of the OS. Right. So, um, right. So that's what I got to say. All right. And, um, and then Wesson? Yeah, you ready for Wesson? I am ready because I found it because I just launched mail and I, I found the conversation here. So this took an un this took a twist that I didn't expect, Dave, because I thought I had the answer, but it turns out I think you had the answer. Well, we all have the answer. <laughs> Takes a village. So Wesson wrote in and said, This is a screenshot from my twenty thirteen Mac Pro running El Capitan ten dot eleven dot one with a five hundred gigabyte SSD. Note that the Get Info window says I only have about 40 gigabytes free, while the Finder window only adds up to about 280 gigabytes, leaving about 160 gigabytes unaccounted for. Why the discrepancy? And how can I recover the lost space? Also, the OS has been reporting that I have a shortage of disk space, and when that happens, the Get Info window reports less than 2 gigabytes remaining on the disk, which is bad. Um, but then it seems to recover to 40 gigabytes uh, per the screenshot. Also note that my CCC clone does not include the pesky 160 gigabytes. The only solution I've come up to is to boot into recovery, reformat the disk, and reinstall the OS. Any other thoughts? Absolutely. <laughs> that, yeah, you shouldn't have to reformat your disk. Um, if that solved the problem, that's great. But yeah, you, you don't want to keep doing that. So... We've seen this before, Dave, and, and so I took a direction that was uh, correct in a sense. And so I wrote to, uh, wrote to Wesson and said, 
Well, here's how you can find out what's happening. So the thing is, he, he didn't know where this space was being taken up. And sometimes that, that, that's a challenge. Yeah, it's, it can be a mystery. Absolutely. Because sometimes there is much that is hidden. OS 10, uh, I would say it lies. Well, no, I'll say it lies. <laughs> Depending on where you're looking, OS 10 may not be telling you the entire truth. It may be, be through a lens that it, it prefers that you see it through. So I suggested to Wesson, you know what? And, and this is an article that is one of my favorites, Dave, and it still applies these days and it still works under El Capitan and was written by our good friend, Jim, uh, MGG Jim, right? Yeah. Jim um, Tannis called- from Tech Review. Yeah. He, he does yes. a great thing. He takes uh, some of the stuff that we talk about in the show here and turns it into articles um, about, and, and we call them MGG answers. And this was one of those. It was, uh, so, and it, it does, it's one of those things, especially this one that's just, you know, we can constantly refer to it. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes about how to do this. And, and it's it's uh, it's important. It's timeless. Oh, well, go ahead. Well, no, it's important to read it fully because running Omni Disk Sweeper in the way that uh, Jim describes allows it to see your entire system because you're running it as root as opposed to just a normal user, which may may not be able to see everything. And that's important in in this case. Correct. So. um. And this article, I would say, is uh, I'm impressed that it, it, it seems to be timeless in that he wrote this article in 2011, but it still works. Yep. And I verified this before I you know, sent my reply. Um, so what the article tells you to do is to run the still available, last I checked, Omni Disk Sweeper software. But you have to run it, as Dave pointed out, in a certain way so that you can see what is hidden. And so I basically sent that off to Wes and it said, hey, check this out, run this. Um, and by the way, here's my suspicion as to what's happening. And Apple documents this. Um, and Time Machine has something. So Time Machine, of course, being Apple's backup software. Time Machine has an option called Local Snapshots, which in addition to backing up to an external drive, it will also, on occasion, save local as the name applies local snapshots to your local hard drive and the thing is they even admit those are not necessarily included in the free space calculations so when wesson mentioned this i said oh well it must be time machine local snapshots because that's what they do they they take up space they're not necessarily reported and and so apple claims um when the space is needed, it will free it up. So all the things he described that were happening sounded like local snapshots. So I said, yeah, that's probably it. Yep. Um, Those local snapshots are handy, by the way, because they give you time machines versioning uh, fail safe, if you will, even when you're not connected to your network where you could back up to another drive or, you know, some, so it doesn't protect you against hard drive failure because it's just saving them locally. But it does protect that versioning thing. And then those versions are transferred over to your full-time machine backup. So it, it, it is, you know, it's, it's not the end-all be-all solution, but it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Now, um, and if you find them bothersome, for whatever reason, you can turn them off. Um, and if you go into the terminal, which is our pal, and we just talked about it <laughs> at nauseum, but we'll talk about it a bit more. But you can turn them off on your system, depending on how your system was configured when you set it up. But you can turn them off. If you go to the terminal and you say TMUtil, 
which I'm going to guess is Time Machine Utility. Space, disable local. That will turn off the uh, local snapshots. Can't you do it in the UI or no? I seem to remember uh, it was something I could uncheck uh, on my laptop in system preferences. You think? I do. But, but, but maybe uh, I'm making this up. Uh, I, uh, if you can find it, let me know. But okay. that, that's the only way that I know of any. And of course, the compliment is you could say TM util enable local and that will enable local snapshots. Yeah. You might think Apple right. has a certain. Yeah, sometimes I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I have this vision of, of seeing that checkbox somewhere. Maybe it existed at one point in a developer build or something. I don't know. Uh, it may have been part of another time machine related utility that, that mm. we have dabbled with. Actually, it may have been part of Onyx. Uh, for, yeah, for you might but, be um, right. Somebody else. Yeah, of course. Of course. But, um, and, you know, that's important to note that mm-hmm. a lot of those things that we talk about in the terminal, the, the things that Onyx does, like, for example, rebuilding launch services, which we recommended for, for Don. Uh, all those, all, all it's doing is executing terminal commands that you or I or anybody could execute. It just makes it easier because A, you don't have to remember it, and B, you're not going to fat finger it and type the wrong thing and screw stuff up. So you just do it with Onyx and it's it's good to go. So anyway, yeah, continue, my friend. Right. So uh so I left it at that. So I'm like, yeah, check this out. And uh Wesson did what I asked and and replied um and said he ran. Omni Disk Sweeper in pseudo mode. And the culprit seems to be, and he sh- sent us a screenshot. Thank you very much. Uh, if you do submit uh, questions to us and, and you, um, if you have a screenshot and you think it would be useful, please send it to us. And you know, Dave, uh, I'm, I'm going to deviate here a bit. But <laughs> You're going to deviate from a deviation. Keep going. I'm going to I'm going to go on a double tangent here but um if you do want to send us screenshots cookies um compliments complaints whatever uh, Dave I would say if you're going to email them including a screen snapshot which you can take using uh, any number of methods I I would say you should send it to feedback at macgeekab.com That's feedback at macgeekab.com In case you didn't hear Dave he said feedback at macgeekab.com and and I don't think we'll mention that again but so he he sent a screenshot and it showed 200 a whopping <laughs> two especially on his his uh, SSD which I I believe he said was 500 gigs uh he had a whopping 220 gigabytes taken up by this director in this directory called dot mobile backups dot trash and that's where I started thinking huh yeah, that's a little bit different, right? And it turns out that's that's related, n- potentially related to CrashPlan, not to mm. Apple's uh, backup software, but functioning as a in a similar way. I think. I don't know. I've I've never run into this with CrashPlan, and I do run it on my laptop. Uh, maybe I just haven't looked hard enough. But I think I think it. it, it you know, it, it certainly in in his case here with Wesson, that uh, that seems to be what it is. So to wrap this up, uh, so it's similar to what the Time Machine local backups do, but uh, I would say in this case, the, the solution is uh, you got to whack that. Yeah. You got to whack that directory um, because it seems it, 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 it's a fail safe for crash plan, but uh, it, it's taking up way too much space on, on, on your drive. There. Yeah, that's so a lot of space. Not part of, 
as long as it's not the prop, as long as it's not your crash plan proper, it's, it's just something that it's doing to be safe. And I would, I, I would say personally that you can whack that in order to free up those 220 gigs. Yeah. Anything called dot trash seems whackable to me. Uh, that's just me. Hey, John, I want to tell you and everybody else about our sponsors that work for you. Sure does. Smile at smilesoftware.com is one of my favorite companies. They make some of my favorite apps and I am stoked that they're a sponsor here today of this episode of Mac Geek Gab. In fact, they've been sponsors for, I think, a decade. Certainly close to that. Awesome stuff. Text Expander is what we get to talk to you about today. And we don't just get to talk about it. We've been using it, literally using it while recording this show for you. When we mention a product, we'll come up with the URL that we want to put in the show notes or somebody in the chat room will come up with the URL. We take that URL, copy it to the clipboard, go to our show notes in progress document, and I type comma SN. That is the key that I have assigned inside Text Expander that takes the URL, puts it inside the HTML that we need to do. I don't need to think about coding HTML while I'm talking to you here because that's not a good thing. And it, so it codes it, it puts it inside the HTML and then positions my cursor right where I'd want to type whatever the title uh, or label is that I'd want to give that link. So all I got to do is copy the link to the clipboard comma SN and then I just type and boom, I have a perfectly formed HTML link. And people in the chat room use it too. You can share snippets with, with folks and we've shared this one with them, but they're very, very easy to make. It's, it's all, it's all very, it's all very organic. It just sort of makes sense. Text expander five is fully compatible with OS 10 El Capitan. So you're all good. And the beauty is when you've got these snippets in text expander, you can sync them either with iCloud drive or Dropbox to all your other Macs and your other iOS devices. Text Expander 3 on iOS for iPhone and iPad, of course, has custom keyboards so that you've got the ability to use your Text Expander snippets inside any app. You got to check it out. Smilesoftware.com slash geek. Text Expander is one of those apps that if I don't have it on the Mac, I stop what I'm doing and I go and get it. That's what you need to do right now. Smilesoftware.com slash geek is the place to start. Thanks to Smile for sponsoring this episode. Linda at lynda.com slash MGG is our next sponsor for this episode. Linda provides training videos to teach you pretty much anything you're ever going to need to know. This is the future of education, folks. You go there and you can just learn from a variety. I mean, literally thousands of courses out there. Linda's for problem solvers, curious people who want to make things happen. Maybe you want to master Office 365, right? Maybe you want to learn negotiation tactics. Maybe you want to build a website. Maybe you want to boost your Photoshop skills. Go to lynda.com and feed your curious mind. Courses like foundation of, uh, Foundations of Programming Databases with uh, Simon Allardyce. Awesome. I've, I've taken these courses. Simon's a fantastic teacher. PHP My Admin, up and running with it with David Powers. Creating a Game Environment with Darren Lyle. Teacher tech tips for folks who are teachers. You want to learn some more stuff? This is what we're doing right here. You can extend that right there. 20 unofficial rules of songwriting. Content marketing for podcasts and audio with CC Chapman. I should watch that one. That's awesome. Music production secrets with Larry Crane. Video post tips weekly. Video gear weekly. 
This is the type of stuff that you can find there. But the thing is, you can find whatever it is you want to find because that's how it works. Visit lynda.com slash MGG. That gets you 10 days of Lynda for free. When you're done with those 10 free days, it's just 25 bucks a month to start. Uh, And that gets you everything. Get you access to everything. If you want offline access, you can pay a little bit more. But otherwise, you've got access to everything for 25 bucks a month after your 10-day free trial. You can access on your Mac. You can access on your iPhone. You can access on your iPad. L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash M-G-G. This is where you're going to go to learn whatever it is you want to learn. Our thanks to Linda for sponsoring this episode. Harrys.com is where you're going to go to buy all of your shaving supplies and the cool the geeky part of this is you don't have to leave your house you get to do this online you buy really high quality stuff now i have not shaved since friday so technically that technically that makes me part of the movember uh movement here where uh, so movember is this uh if you is this thing where in the month of november guys grow mustaches to raise awareness and money for men's health issues uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to actively participate in this, but technically, since I have not yet shaved my uh, face, and that includes the area where a mustache would come in, technically I'm participating. I don't know if you're going to participate, John. I don't know if anybody else is going to participate, but no matter whether you do or not, you're going to need to shave and carve that thing in or carve it out. Shaving with Harry's stuff is an absolute dream. I, I know it's crazy, but I can, I, I mean, I, I can... Think back to, to Friday, which is just a couple of days ago. But I mean, it's just it's like the smoothest razors, the best. Uh, I like their shave cream. Uh, they have a foaming shave gel, too. Actually, I like both, but I really like the cream. And the cool part is you can get started for 10 bucks. If you listen closely here, 10 bucks gets you a handle, three blades and either cream or foaming gel. Now, here's how you do it. You go to harrys.com. You're going to see that the Truman set there, which has all of that, is 15 bucks. But you're going to use our coupon shave five off. That's the, 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 the word shave. The number five O-F-F. S-H-A-V-E five O-F-F. That shaves five bucks off the price. Free shipping. So 10 bucks and you're good to go. So go right now. Harry's.com. You can pause this show. Harry's.com. Uh, pick your Truman set and uh, put in shave five off and you're, uh, you're off to the races. Our thanks to Harry's for sponsoring this episode. With that, John, I got to check out over the last couple of weeks. Uh, really? a new- you don't know why my beard? What's that? <laughs> I, I think well, you, you were get- asking me about, you were asking me about, uh, no, I, I do a classic Van Dyke. So I, I uh, or a modified Van Dyke. So I, I, I do not know if I'm going to do uh custom beard crafting uh with harry's though if i were to do that dave i think harry's would be would be the vendor of choice i agree they they i I love shaving with their stuff it's crazy the blades dude five it's crazy man it's crazy yeah it's good stuff you gotta check them out harry's.com of course shave five off yeah um i do i got to play with a new piece of hardware uh actually over the last several weeks i talked about this very briefly when uh when i when i first went out and saw it in uh in santa barbara but it's the sonos play 5 now uh the sonos is wireless audio 
for, and I, I know a lot of folks that listen to this show have heard me talk about Sonos and, and many of you like me have invested, you know, no small percentage of your disposable income on hardware from the folks at Sonos. They know what they're doing. They make this easy. You plug, you, you either just connect it to your Wi-Fi network, or if you want to, you can plug one of the units into your ethernet port and then it creates its own Wi-Fi mesh, whichever way you like to do it. It, it doesn't matter. And then you're, you can play music anywhere you want that you've got a Sonos speaker. You can stream it from pretty much every streaming service. Apple music is coming uh, before the end of the year. So, you know, uh, a couple of months or less. Spotify is already there. Deezer's there. Titles there. You can stream from your iTunes library. You can stream from the music you store on your NAS. They make it super, super easy. They're soft. I've tested the software from lots and lots of others. There's a reason that Sonos has 90 plus percent of the, the market of yeah. wireless players. Their All software right. blows, blows everybody's away. So it's so, so, so we have both the hardware, uh, just to review here, because yeah. I'm not a Sonos guy yeah. at this point. I have some other hardware, yeah. including AirPlay, which I think is, is swell. Yep. Um, all right. So you got the speaker. So they sell the hardware itself, the speakers, which Correct. I assume are, are good speakers, uh, wired or wireless. Yeah, yes. they're, it's all wireless. You, you, or would you say wireless is the preferred method to hook them up? Well, they, they are all wireless. You can okay. either have them all just connect to your existing Wi-Fi network, mm-hmm. which is sort of the, de- which is the default configuration now. So it makes it really easy. If you want them to create their own wireless mesh, you need to plug one of them into an Ethernet port and then they'll build their own Wi-Fi network if you don't have one or yours doesn't have the range you want or whatever. But yeah. And then the software, which actually uh, our our mutual pal Duffy came by one time and actually he was asking me to help him set it up. And I thought the software, at least the iOS software, I think that's what I was running. Yeah. was pretty darn slick. Oh, it's really slick. So anyways, just to, just no, to continue. You're, you're right. They, they, the one thing I learned when I was out there visiting Sonos back in September is uh, I'd ar- I was already you know, sold on them uh, in terms of their, their product. They're a company like Apple. I mean, they are obsessive. They're a company of, what, 1,200 employees, and they have you know, like six SKUs in their product line. I think it's more than that because they've got different colors. But it's not like they make tons and tons and tons of different products. They really focus on what they're doing. And the new Play 5 that they came out with is no exception to that. In fact, it was totally rebuilt from the ground up. Um, the The Play 5 was their initial wireless speaker. Uh, I believe it came out six years ago, October, in October, late October. So it's almost exactly six years old. Uh, the cool part is that old, old Play 5 We'll see an up a software upgrade come. I think just in a couple of weeks. I'm not. I I, I don't know the timing. I'm 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 prognosticating here. But soon, uh, that their new software will come out with the True Play thing with the whole room tuning that you use your iPhone for. We talked about it in a previous show. It's awesome. It works really well, and it works with the six year old Play Five. So it you know they keep upgrading their stuff, uh, but they have replaced in their in their lineup, uh, but not in your hearts. They've replaced the original Play Five with something that they're calling the play five. Now, uh, this is a very different thing. It's about the same size. Effectively, it's built to serve a similar purpose, but they've done some amazing things with it. First of all, I really like the way all Sono speakers sound. This one actually, instead of having five speakers in it, it has six. So they could have called it the play six, but they, they didn't. Uh, it's got three tweeters and three woofers. In uh, in a you know a um, 
I don't know. I'm trying to think. Maybe it's a hmm. foot, and a, foot and a half wide. Maybe if maybe you know, a, no a, mid a foot range. Tall. Well, I don't know. It, I mean, it, yeah, it, the, everything. It's all covered. The the, the, the speaker okay. the speaker covers everything. In fact, if and it it the speaker stands on its own, quite literally. Um, but it uh, to compare it to the old Play Five, it's got uh, in terms of of sound the far more low end out of this thing. Not that the old one was missing it, but I almost didn't even miss having a sub. I've got my my current Play Fives. Paired with a sub, which is a subwoofer, uh, pairing setting these up, I didn't even I, I, I didn't even miss the sub when I didn't initially have it connected to them. Uh, they they really do a nice job on the low end. But um, one of the one of the amazing things they did with this new one is it it they've uh, like their Play Three. This speaker can either be set up in horizontal mode, or you can tip it on either end and put it in you know what they call vertical mode. Uh, and that it, the sound is radically different between the two modes. It's not just the same sound. The speaker has a mercury switch in it. It knows which orientation it's in and it actually changes. It's there's a DSP in there, oh. a digital signal processor changes the sound signature, uh, depending on which orientation it's in. Now in the horizontal orientation, this thing really blew me away. Uh, the stereo separation that you get out of a speaker that's, you know, a foot and a half wide or so is astounding. 10 feet away from it, maybe 15 feet away even, I start, I played uh, the intro to Pink Floyd's Money. John, I put this speaker in the middle of my living room. Yeah. But, but you know, that yeah. ping pong. Well, that definitely has separation with the uh, cash register. Uh, Correct. The, uh, yeah. Yep. And <laughs> that's a good tune for that. It, yeah, it's a good test. And I closed my eyes. And I literally heard the sound as though it were coming from feet away from this thing on either side. I mean, the stereo spread is, is amazing. And part of the way they, they built this thing called the play bar years ago. That's, that's a, a bar for uh, your home theater system. And it's got, I think it's got nine speakers in it and they're aimed in all these crazy directions to give you the, the surround thing. Like a lot of, of sound bars are right. They clearly learned something from that, that they applied here Two of the three tweeters are aimed off to the sides, not straight out to the sides, but but they're not aimed straight on. And that combined with the DSP allows them to do this stereo separation thing. When you rotate the speaker on either side, it um, it really focuses the sound in a, in a different way. It's not quite as wide. It's a it's a much more focused thing. And if you want to pair two of them as stereo speakers, it, it again, depending on your room's layout and all that, it, it might make sense to put them up on either end. Now, here's where it gets fun, John. They put a multi-touch interface on this thing. They took the buttons that they used to have and threw them away. Uh, the top of the speaker has a, a little multi-touch pad on it. That's used for play, pause, volume up and down. And here's the cool part. Uh, when the speaker's in horizontal orientation, volume is to the volume up is to the right, volume down is to the left. When it's in vertical orientation, on either side, volume, is all, volume up is always up. It knows which way it is and, and it just, you know, remaps the multi-touch same with now that it has multi-touch, you can do song next and previous by swiping. Uh, and they've told me they're, they, you know, they've got ideas for other things they can do now that these things have, uh, you know, multi-touch in them. So it's interesting. I'm not a huge fan of, I'm excited about the multi-touch cause it's a geeky tech. I'm not excited about it 
in that even in two weeks of use, most of the time, as you mentioned, John, you're using your iOS app to launch and play and pause and, and everything. So you're not using this. Even if you use the speaker every day, you're not using the 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 multi-touch interface every day. And I still going up to it when I do want to pause it, if I'm just leaving the room and I just want to tap it and pause it or whatever, it's, it's a little wonky to feel around. I wind up hitting volume up instead of, you know, cause it's just one flat interface and you just sort of, you know, kind of tap things and it goes. So I'm not convinced that multi-touch on a speaker is, is the, the best thing, but I have no doubt that Sonos will iterate upon this. So it's a, mm. it's a pretty cool thing. Um, I, you know, again, the, the stereo separation on this, the two things about the sound that, that, that really blew me away. One was the stereo separation. Uh, I mean, it, I, I would, I would say you're almost wasting some of the engineering Marvel that's in this. If you got two of them and set them up in a stereo pair, which you can do. And, it, and listen, they sound great that way, but they sound really good when it's just one. Um, I, if I, if I were to, you know, um, if I had a big room and I wanted to put just one speaker in, this would definitely be, you know, worth considering because it's, it's just all in one. It's got a great, great sound that way. Really blew me away. And again, then when it's up, if you want to do the stereo thing with, with two of them, put them up on their ends, they get a really focused sound that I haven't heard out of a speaker that, you know, costs 500 bucks in a long time or if ever. I mean, these things in that mode start rivaling the sound of, you know, like $2,000 speakers. It's, it's really quite something they've done a nice job and and there's a lot of geeky stuff in it, which I, which I just love. So I wanted to share. I can't, uh, I couldn't live without my Sono stuff. It's like, you know, it's become part of us in the house. And I think my family would, would, there would be mutiny if I, uh, if I say mutiny, like I run the household, which of course, you know, I don't. But they would, th- that would be it. If I took the Sonos away, they'd throw me out. I'm pretty sure that's, uh, you know, that, that's, how it, that's how it works. The old Hamilton homestead here. <laughs> Good to hear. Yeah. I, I think you suggested to me that um, the, to, to wake the, uh, the wee ones um, during those rough mornings, um, piping Reveille into their bedrooms is a, is a, a good way to do that correct yeah or at least if i was a parent that's what i do to make them totally hate me yeah that's right <laughs> yeah yeah it's fun yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean hey reveille at five in the morning is just what young minds need that's what everybody needs i agree <laughs> hey oh good to hear no i know sonos is uh yeah i, I have different different hardware yep yeah I've, um, I've, i'm testing some stuff from polk right now They've got um, they, they've got something I don't know if they've called it a, you know, quote unquote Sonos killer, but it's 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 the same, you know, same type of thing. I, I've only had it for about a week, but the hardware is really nice and the speaker sounds great. But uh, the software, I mean, I'm really confused by this stuff. It, it's like, hmm. yeah, it's really bizarre how you kind of work with it and. It's 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 as though they didn't run it through like any user experience testing. I don't know. I they, they'll they'll come around with it. I hope uh, it's nice to see other people you know doing this stuff because it moves the market along and all. You know, I'm a big fan of competition. So, uh, sure. This stuff, I, I I don't know. It's it's not uh, it's not intuitive. That's for sure. Mm. So I gotta I gotta mess with it more and and dig in and, I'll, and then I'll give it a. a bigger review but sure on the surface uh, all i gotta say dave is 
when I want to impress people with volume yeah. and fidelity, I'm still a big audio engine A5 fan. I agree. They, dude, they, they provided us with them long ago. And yep. dude, these things literally go to 11. I mean, I can turn, I, I am just so impressed with the fact that I can turn them up all the way to maximum and they don't distort. They just continue to output outrageously loud sound. Yep. Well, that's, that's the beauty. I, I will say this in a general sense. I haven't sense. tried this with the Sonos. Now, have, have you tried to turn your Sonos up to 11? I mean, can you, if you want to, if you want to let the neighborhood know what you like to listen to. I mean, can you do that? <laughs> of course. Yeah. It, okay. it, yeah. The, you have to remember that like the, the you know, the A fives uh, are self powered speakers and the Sonos mm-hmm. are too. When you have a self powered speaker, you would assume. And of course, in the case of both Sonos and audio engine, they've done this, that the manufacturer figures out how not to overdrive their speaker because you're, you know, mm-hmm. it's the amplifier and the speaker are coming in one box it they they can tweak it so that you don't overdrive the speaker and you never wind up in an overdrive scenario unless you're sending an overdriven signal into it from like your iPod mm. or so if you've got you know some crummy audio on there well then it's going to sound overdriven but otherwise yeah they they make it impossible for you to to make it sound crummy and that's 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 part of the that's how it should be you know that when you know right. it makes a huge difference when you know what amplifier you have matched with with the speaker and and it's you know done ahead of time for you and you don't have some homage you know mismatch or or just an amplification mismatch so yep. yeah it just always impressed me when when i showed some people i'm like you you want to hear loud speakers you want to hear some really good speakers that don't distort and i guess the bottom line before we move on is there is no replacement for displacement i guess is because when these things are cranking dude i can feel the air yeah you're moving because they have because they have vents on the speakers because when you're when you're pumping that amount of sound the air has to go somewhere yeah (laughs) and it does yeah 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 there is an analog thing you know (laughs) yep yeah as are some things in this world still analog's a good thing today um (laughs) my my analog watch fetish uh was not my favorite thing because i then had you know eight different clocks or watches that i needed to change the time with so that's um today i actually wore my apple watch uh because it was like oh no 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 no. i got it i had stuff to do and i was like you know i I actually bought a wall clock that actually self-adjusts mm-hmm. intelligently. I think it's a sharp, not okay. the sharp of, or at least I bought it at one point at an office store yeah. for a while, and they advertised, hey, this clock will, and it does. It, it, it will rotate the hands, uh, the analog mechanism, uh, forward or back an hour, uh, when it should. It, it was actually pretty cool. And of course, our computers grok this, and my TiVo and all that, but yeah, mostly other junk around my house. Uh, yeah. I had, I did it last night, uh, as as most people did. Yeah. Though I replaced my smoke detector batteries about two weeks ago because they all started going. So that's another thing everybody should be doing when you're doing daylight saving time is uh, check your smoke detector batteries. That's the battery industry talking to you. Uh, uh, that's the I don't we're going to move on to Gary and die we're industry. Gonna, <laughs> yeah, my I mean yeah. My smoke detectors work for a lot more than six months on one set of batteries. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, because, no, I think they suggest yearly. Because um, they're not running off of batteries. They're running off of the power in the house. The batteries are just a backup. So they're not actually drawing too much power from them. Yeah, uh, correct. 
But on to Gary. On to Gary. Gary, uh, a quick one from Gary. He says, I was finally able to take my old MacBook Pro to the Genius Bar. He was having some trouble with it in the local Apple store at the mall. And the guy told me that this computer is so old that Apple does not even provide parts for this machine to the retail stores. Uh, so the guy said he was going to try and reseat the video cable to solve the problem that, uh, that Gary had. And, and it, you're right. You know, the Apple stores, the, the genius bar in particular is an excellent place to take your hardware, even if it's out of warranty, because as we've all found the genius bar will do diagnosis for free. No one else is going to do diagnosis for free on, on your Mac. Uh, it's just, you know, it doesn't make sense. You need to pay someone time you, you know they're paying someone by the hour bench fee. yeah you got to pay a bench fee right i mean it it takes time to do this and and so time you, is money time is money but apple stores uh well they, they make a lot of money <laughs> and so this is one thing that they do is just a customer <laughs> service uh for any apple customer and if you own a mac it's you're an apple customer you know so and it doesn't matter where you bought it they will do the diagnosis for free up until the point where the diagnosis process or the diagnostic process requires changing hardware to test something. They might say, well, we think it's the video card, so we've got to change it. And if it is the video card, this is what it'll cost you. And, and they, their prices are really fair. Uh, I've found when I, when I was doing actually the, this machine in front of me, the 27 inch 2011 iMac, when I had all those problems with it about a year ago, their price to replace the video card or sorry, their price, their price to replace the power supply, which is what we initially thought it was. It turns out it was the video card, but it took us a long, long time to get there. And I got a new motherboard for free in the process. So that was good. Uh, but their price to replace the power supply was less than I could buy the power supply on like eBay or, or somewhere like that. So, and that included the labor of them, you know, cracking it open and doing it. So Make sure, don't assume that Apple is expensive. Sometimes they are, and, and just be aware. But they do diagnostics for free, but they can't they always get parts for older machines. Uh, so when you're in a, in a situation like that, like Gary is, now that you have your diagnosis, bring it to an authorized Apple dealer uh, or find your, you know, your neighborhood Apple consultant that isn't constrained by Apple's you know, parts warehouse, they can get stuff elsewhere and might be able to help you kind of outside of the, you know, coloring outside of the lines that Apple dictates to the genius bar. So uh, you can, you can find Apple authorized uh, folks on Apple's website. We'll put a link in the show notes where you can search for that or just find your, you know, your friendly neighborhood Apple consultant that can help you too. There, there's a lot of good folks out there. Many of them listen to this show and contribute to this show and, uh, it's kind of a big part of it. In fact, there's, there's quite a few of them that contribute on the aforementioned Facebook group. So, uh, there's, you know, there's still good folks out there and, and, uh, and a very good reason to, to continue to use them. So that's, uh, sure. That's what we have for Gary. Yeah. I'm going to bounce around well, a little here in our agenda. John. Well, I want to offer Go ahead. on that Dave, yeah. just because I had a recent conversation online. So, so, uh, two of my followers brought this up. So one said, where can I get an exhaust fan for a ancient, macbook pro yep and actually i did this dave um in the, my 2008 macbook pro i actually had an exhaust fan that was actually getting cranky i think the bearings were going because i could hear the fan and when you can hear the fan that means that fan is bad so um and then someone else chimed in and said well i chimed in and actually what i did dave is i bought once i i determined that it was the fan i bought the part for my fix it 
Now, the thing is, I fix it. Um, they have great repair guides, but I would say their parts are not the least expensive. That's correct. And that's yeah. all I'll say. Um, no, the, the, the they part, were more expensive I, I bought, than... I, then Apple, then the Genius Bar as well. When you know when yeah. I was doing the power supply thing, the thing yeah. is, I trust them. Um, I bought the part from them. Totally. It worked as advertised, uh, and the repair guide. So, so I felt it was worth uh, rewarding them for offering the repair guide in exchange for. It. So yeah, I paid more than I should have, but but someone else in my feed said, well, you know, you can get that same part from eBay. The thing is, Dave, I'm I, I've never done a lot of business on eBay, and eBay can get kind of dicey, and that you don't get guarantees and stuff like that. So well, you're so you're I a conservative it. guy when it comes to that stuff. Um, and I've done I've done oh, the no, eBay. Uh, dude, that's insulting. No, no, no. It's it's totally true, right? I mean, you 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 like to take the safe route. And and there's nothing wrong with that, but I don't want to scare people away from from eBay. You you you're, you're absolutely oh, no, no. right. You need to go in. No, no, you can get quality parts. And, yes. and someone else in my feed said this. They said, yeah. And it's someone that I know, uh, our friend Jody, who um who says, hey, when I when I have to fix things, I buy parts from eBay. Yep. You're, you're taking a risk. You don't necessarily know if they're you're high quality or not. You're they taking a been you're taking a bit of a risk. Somewhat. But yeah. I mean, you get to look at feedback. You know, I mean, there's people that have done a lot of business on eBay. And if you buy from a reputable seller, you're not going to run into problems. You know, this is their business. It's not, you know, it's if it's somebody with, you know, five feedback or something that that person's probably yeah. not in business doing this. But when you see people with thousands of, you know, positive feedback on their account, this is probably yeah, sure. what they do to make money. They don't have another job. This isn't some side thing, you know. So, yeah, it's it's not. It, oftentimes you get more reputable stuff there, but you've got to be careful and you've got to, you know, navigate those waters and it's not, it's not for, it's not for everyone and that's okay. Yep. Yeah. And we got in our chat room, you know, some people are saying, yeah, I'm kind of wary uh, again, but, but as you bring up, so if you have somebody with a good reputation that gets a lot of good ratings, then yeah, go, go for eBay, buy parts from eBay, Mac parts. Um, yeah. I've just never personally done it. Uh, yeah. You know, I, uh, I'm, I'm willing to pay, depending on the cost, sure. uh, a little extra to get it from iFixit, uh, which is a, a group that I trust. Uh, so and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, while we're on the subject of older Macs, I'm going to pull a question from Abel from uh, our Facebook group. And Abel writes, he says, I'm seriously thinking of upgrading my early 2009 iMac to an SSD. Uh, I've been reading a lot of stuff and just want to make sure I do it right. Uh, where am I here? These Facebook posts are weird to read when they're in PDF form. I've been looking at OWC Crucial and iFixit Solutions. I'm on a budget, as we all are, and I want to get a decent size. Crucial sells two and a half inch SSDs. Uh, I want to know, would I need to buy a kit for it? And does anybody have experience with this? I'm asking because I've read forum posts about the two and a half to 3.5 inch kits not fitting. I've also seen less expensive hybrid SSD drives elsewhere. So, uh, and, and the question then is, you know, uh, what does it take to get into an iMac? Uh, you, you, you're right. You, you know, you need a couple of things. You need the suction cups to pull the screen off. You definitely want to don't try to do it with one in the middle. Um, or even one on one edge and then re, you know, pulling, putting your finger under it and getting another one, just buy two suction cups, put them on the edge. Uh, I fix you it. You want a Mac them. friend. You uh, want yeah. a Mac friend. Yeah. You need, yeah. It, it doing an iMac, especially, I think we're talking about a 27 inch here. 
it, it, it helps to have somebody else. Um, I've done it myself, but it's not, it, it's a, it's a dicey proposition. With our pal Duffy, I, I find it much. It, yeah. Uh, if you can at all get anybody who you consider a friend yeah. <laughs> to help you work on your iMac, it's a good thing because yeah, it, it is challenging uh, for one person to, to not impossible, but, but better. It's better. And Hey, you may make a friend. That's right. Yeah. It can be fun, right? You know, I've done it with my kids. It's, it's actually kind of a blast. Uh, the, the adapter brackets, lots of people sell them. I think I've, I've used them, uh, in a couple of iMacs that I have here because the iMacs all come with, well, not all, but, and you got to look up for your specific model, but the one he's talking about here comes with a full size three and a half inch hard drive in it. And you're talking about replacing it with an SSD and all of those are two and a half inch drives. So you need to get a bracket into which you can screw the SSD that then fits into the spot and the screw holes of a three and a half inch drive. Very, very simple. uh, Very, very inexpensive. They're usually like 10 bucks or less kind of thing. It's certainly 15 or less. Uh, So check that out. Uh, Definitely get one of those ahead of time. Like I said, I think I've got the OWC ones, but I know I fix it, sells them, and you know, lots of people have them. Um, you also, the OWC sells a fan replacement uh, cable, I think, or uh, sorry, a a temperature sensor replacement cable. There's weird things with the IMAX, specifically with the drives, right? Uh, they the your Mac gets a feed either from the drive itself or from a sensor that's glued on or stuck on to the drive. And if that's not replaced in a way that your Mac is happy with, your fans are just going to run at top speed all the time. There's two ways to solve it. One is uh, if it's a, a, a sensor that sticks on, make sure you stick it back on the drive so that it's getting some heat and it's, it's in a range that, you know, that makes sense to your, to your iMac and then you should be okay uh, or OWC sells a, a kit that, that has a replacement sensor that's built for these types of things. If all else fails, you might need some software to control your fans better. What'll happen is if, if you are in a situation where your fans are going to run like crazy, you turn on your Mac, um, it, the fans will, you know, rev up to full. And then as soon as this software loads, they, they come back down and, and then everything's fine until you reboot again. And it's only during the, you know, the beginning of the boot process, two pieces of software for fan control. I've used, uh, what the one from crystal idea software or crystalidea.com And that's for, that's free. And then I've used the one from HDD fan control and that's paid. They both work fine. They both do what they need to do. We'll put links to both in the show notes, but that's the, uh, that's what you're looking at. And it's not a, it's not an overly scary process, but it is helpful to have somebody else print out your documentation from, uh, from I fix it for two reasons. Number one, you don't want some other computer failure to leave you an alert in the middle of doing this. And of course, if this is your only computer, then you absolutely have to have it printed because your computer is not going to be on while you're taking it apart. And, uh, and number two, what I like to do is, uh, well, actually, before I got this cool magnetic mat, uh, what I would do is take the screws from each step and tape them to the step in the instructions. I'd loosely tape them. And, you know, you know you're not going to be putting these things outside in a windstorm. But it's really helpful when you start going backwards through. You just keep on, you know, flipping the pages over and there's the screws you need for exactly that step. 
Um, you're not trying to sort out, wait a minute, where did I put, you know, which, which port on the ice tray has these and, you know, cross-referencing everything, just tape them down. It's fine. Works great. So, but you're going to be all right. Well, the mats, the mat's nice too. I love that. Oh, the mat's great. Yeah. If you don't, if, if, yeah, I fix it sells this awesome, um, mat for crazy folks like us that like to take apart our computers a lot. But if you don't have that, then, you know, stick it to the instructions, print them out, stick it to it. Good stuff. The only thing I will offer, Dave, yes, sir. not that I will violently disagree with you, sure, which I don't think I've done in several episodes. I think it's been a the while. The only thing yeah. I, I would, <laughs> the only thing I would caution for this class of machine, um, is you may be able to save a few bucks, though maybe it doesn't make any difference these days. But the thing is, this class of machine, and how do I know this, you may ask. And I'm going to tell you how I know this is because I use this wonderful piece of software called Mac Tracker. Mm-hmm. This particular machine has what I think we would call a SATA 2 interface. What does that mean? So SATA is a hard drive interface, and there are various versions. SATA 1, last I checked, is 1.5 gigabits per second. SATA 2 is 3 gigabits per second. And SATA 3 is 6 this particular machine supports three gigabits per second, otherwise known as SATA 2. So, but, but like I said, Dave, it may not make a difference in the pricing, but the thing is, if, if you can save a few bucks, or maybe you should just get a SATA 3 SSD and just, you know, ignore what I'm saying here. I, I see what you're saying. <laughs> There's no reason to pay for a, a six, uh, six gig speed Gigabit if, if, drive if, if you're only getting three. Because... Because this machine cannot take advantage of it. Um, however, for future, uh, but, but the thing is, yeah, if, uh, so again, that's why I say maybe ignore what I'm saying, because if you're going to take that SSD and someday put it into a more capable Mac, then again, just, yeah, uh, just I, to pretend that the last 45 seconds didn't happen. No, it's, a, it's actually a good discussion <laughs> because. Uh, while this machine will happily take a six gigabit drive and run it at mm. three, uh, there is the, I believe the MacBook Pro of this same vintage in that 2009 range will not. It will take a six gigabit drive and run it at 1.5. So you, the well, that only, was the one that I had, Dave. Yeah. The 2008. And I think uh, Lucas, uh, the one that I gave you, that was one of my fish shakes at that machine. It, it could have done three gigabits, but for whatever reason, Apple crippled that interface to 1.5. Well, that, but that's different than that's different. That's going to run at 1.5, right. no matter what, what I'm talking yes. about is a machine that's capable of running three, which is the vintage right. after that. And if you put a yep. three in, it runs at three. If you put a six in, it runs at 1.5. Sure. So OWC sells their Electra three G specifically for that machine. But I, I think you're actually going to pay more for that than you would for the six gigabit equivalent. I haven't looked at that, uh, but it in a while, but at one point in time, the three G was actually more expensive. So just be, be aware, but it, with this particular yeah. machine, we're talking about not a problem, but there is that 2009 vintage. I believe it's the 2009 MacBook pro uh, that, that will not. So just bear that in mind. It's good stuff. One last one, and I think what we're going to do is go to Don here, because Don had a very good question that has actually come up several times. So Don asks, he was restoring his iPhone from a backup, 
uh, it was actually, he was migrating to a new phone and he wanted to get all of his stuff on there. And, and that's great. One problem was Don was, um, he, it, the, it went through the restore process, put the firmware on, restored his backup from iTunes. He did it USB because he wanted to do everything locally. He didn't want to have to download from the cloud. Sure enough, once the restore finished and the phone rebooted, it starts putting the apps back on. Some of the apps came from iTunes. Some of the apps did not and were downloading from the cloud. Don was asking why this was. There's a couple of reasons. Apps are not included in your iTunes backup. When you choose to back up your phone, it backs up all your app data. It backs up your layout of where things are going to be. It backs up all the stuff that you would need with the exception of the actual apps. And the reason is you may have the apps downloaded in, in iTunes anyway, and it doesn't want to duplicate that, but the apps are also theoretically available from the cloud or more specifically from the app store. Uh, this is, it's a normal scenario, but it's, it's one that a lot of people don't think about. Uh, and it's just important to note that you need to pay attention to this. It's good to take backups of your apps by simply downloading them from the store or connecting your phone and doing the transfer purchases with, uh, you know, it, it often will offer when, you know, when you're about to do a, a reset or something, it'll say, Hey, wait, there's apps on there that you don't have in iTunes. Do you want us to copy those over first? If you say yes, then it will copy them and then, and then it will restore them. It will restore whatever it can from the local copies that it has in iTunes, but then it, it'll just tell your phone to get the rest. One important thing, let the phone finish doing this because if you delete the app and then re-download it, once you delete it, and I realize it's not there, so deleting it might seem like, well, it doesn't matter. It does because you're in a weird scenario. Your phone has the data for the app, your data, your settings, your documents, whatever it is, but not the app itself. As soon as you delete it, the data goes away. That's all you're deleting, in fact, at that point, because you don't have the applet yet. So you've got to let it finish downloading from the store. And then and then it'll it'll have everything you need and all that good stuff. So just be careful, be patient. It will come down. Unfortunately, if you're on some sort of, you know, data limited Wi-Fi connection or or doing this over cellular, then you know, you're in a, a position where you might wind up using more data than you'd like. But uh but it's the only way. Uh and you definitely want to make sure you you do it that way. So really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's how it works. I'm scratching my head over that because I've had mixed results with, uh, restores, uh, especially with my faulty iPhone. Mm-hmm. But, um, actually, no, what you say resonates is that I had, I had several apps when I did a restore from a backup in a waiting state. And correct. Dude, I don't have time for this. I, I can't wait, but I did. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, yeah, man. Dude, we're all busy. I, I can't wait. I can't wait. But, but there were a lot of apps that were in the waiting state. But sometimes if I tapped on them, it kind of coerced them to, to unwait and kind of get their act together and, and finish. But but I'll admit that what Apple is, that the, the, there's definitely something that has changed uh, in the new iOS as far as app restores, um, that is confusing and, and disconcerting. 
Yeah. I think that's. Just yeah. I mean, it's, here. it's doing it's it, what's nice is that it's built to get the apps by whatever means necessary. And it does prioritize the local one. If you're connected USB and, and then if it doesn't have it, it doesn't have it. And that's just how it works. But I think it's, it's part of it is also the, well, there's been talk of the app thinning thing, which is uh, okay. I'll download an app. That's, right for your particular device. I'm not going to waste time downloading all the garbage that That's I mean, right. That, that may be part of the confusion. No, it is. And you may I'm not going to download I'm not going to download the app that has all features for all platforms cuz that's stupid. Right. I'm going to download one just for your device and sometimes that introduces the waiting. I, I think that's Yeah, that and that and that totally can, could have happened to Don here, right? If he had uh, an old, you know, an older phone backed it up, even saved all the apps and then updated to the new one, uh, you know, might need a different build of the app or different resources. And yeah, that's where that that's where that comes from. And I believe you're right yep. with nine nine point one. Right. The app thinning is is it back got in wonky. Business. Yeah. My yeah. restores have. Though I found, you know, I'm usually a spaz, but um, I found that when I did restores, uh, especially with my repaired phone. Patience is a virtue in this case. Hey, you know Alex. What else is a virtue, Dave? Oh, go ahead. Alex in the chat room linked to a blog post from OW. Uh, yeah, from OWC. Mm-hmm. Uh, the iMac EFI update 1.6, which came out about four years ago, enabled six gigabits per second in the 2011 iMacs. Uh, it didn't, uh, and it, it 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 also did want. There was one for the 2011 MacBook Pro, so I'm not sure if that solves all of that three gigabit. Uh, stuff. I'm not, I don't think it no. does, but it's. I'll put that link in the show notes too. Okay. Speaking of firmware updates, Dave, I noticed that with the latest Mac OS 10 update, it did a firmware update. How do I know this? You ask. It's because I saw a chubby or rather larger progress bar when my machine rebooted, and I don't know why that happened. That that struck me as kind of weird, but a lot of other people told me that as well. And when you check the version in System Info. It was different from the official thing that Apple suggested. I don't know. You, are, you are Mr. Squirrel today. <sighs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I am. It, yeah, it was that extra hour of uh, sleep that I got. But um, That's right. Well, dude, no, the squirrel in my yard um, <laughs> is gone. I told you about that. As we said earlier, you can you can email us. Uh, no, 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 no! Pre- you can't. You cannot break the three rule. I'm not going to break. Gonna the tell th- you where to eat. You can email us. Email us. And those of you that are premium members can email us at premium <laughs> at macgeekab.com. I'd like to thank Cashfly at c a c h e f l y dot com. They are the ones that provide all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. I'd also like to thank all of our sponsors, gazelle.com, tunnelbear.com, slash MGG. Amazing. Coupon code MGG saves you 20%. It's beautiful stuff. Smilesoftware.com, slash geek, as we mentioned earlier. Fantastic stuff. Text expander is, uh, is something I couldn't live without. Squarespace.com slash MGG, where coupon code MGG saves you 10%. Lynda.com slash MGG. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash MGG. 10 days for free. Doesn't get any better than that. MacSales.com is where you're going to find all the great stuff from OWC. We mentioned Barebones in the show at Barebones.com. And, of course, Harry's at Harry's.com with coupon code SHAVE5OFF. Saves you five bucks. 
doesn't get any better than that. It's pretty good. Folks, have a fantastic week. And John, whatever you're doing with that squirrel, I have three words of advice for you. Don't get caught. Made up.